Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. How are you today, Kara? I can barely see you. Oh, there you are with your glasses. (laughs) Listen to me. Listen, we're being taped because you've got a <laughs> We're starting a already with a listen to me? Yeah, listen yeah, to me. Listen to me. Here's the pandemic. Scott and I have spent much of Memorial Day together. We taped his pre- – because we cannot yeah. stop working because we the need holiday. self-aggrandizement. We have done uh-huh. his show, and now we're doing this, aren't we? Yeah. No, we're at the empty calories of uh, linear broadcast ad-supported television and radio. We might as well – seriously, it's like back to the future to the back to the something. I don't know what okay. – I can't figure out if we're on the cutting edge – <laughs> or if we're literally like the the lamest Sad. time travelers in the world. I don't know dinosaurs. what's going on. What are we? What kind of dinosaur would you be if you were a dinosaur? I'd oh, be a the T-Rex. No. That shit's gangster. So, Either that or that, that um, the, the, the dopey, happy brontosaurus. What would you be? Oh, or stegosaurus. Yeah, you, Remember stegosaurus with the mean tail? You'd oh, be stegosaurus. Yeah. No, I would be the velociraptor. Velociraptor, yeah, those Whatever. those are you watch. That's a Spielberg uh, poll. Yes, so every time I watch a streaming video platform or yeah. movie, I, I it's such a metaphor for my life. My whole life is now uh, uh, over the top platforms, and that is, I get excited about something as I get very excited about a TV show or this podcast mm-hmm. or something in my life. I rip through it; it's very rewarding, and then it's over, and I don't know what to do with my life. Watch, I West don't Wing. know what to do. Watch West Wing. It's on Netflix, yeah, I, I think. It's like when people tell me to watch The Wire. I just no, try and West I No, West Wing, you will be really? so happy. At, you want this president in your life. It is like 27 seasons. Yes, it's 27 seasons in every – and Alice and Janie is just amazing. So that is all I have to say about that. And you Alice can handle Janie. Bradley. Who's Alice and Janie? Oh, my gosh. She's a lesbian actress. No. she's She plays CJ on CJ. the show. She's the press secretary. I'm not going into it. Just watch. Trust me okay. on this one. Okay. It will make it. you feel better. You're Listen to me. Stuff. Memorial Day weekend, Donald Trump went golfing. What did you do? What did you do? The same thing I always do. Um I, I, I'm not exaggerating, so I'm being very serious. I think that there is something about, and I'm coaching young people around this, uh, I am exceptionally good at not working. It's a mm-hmm. hobby of mine, and yeah. I'm very focused on being able to not work for the majority of the remainder of my life. Yeah. Okay. And in order to do that, I think you have to be strategic about when you work. And I think this is, and we've talked about this, you're doing mm-hmm. the same thing. I think this is an extraordinary opportunity to produce content when there's yeah. very little content out there. So what yeah. am I doing? I'm working a fucking around the clock. You I mean, are. I don't, we I'm, are. I did a TV show this morning. I'm doing this here. I'm doing recording my other podcast this afternoon. I'm, I'm all over this shit because I would like I to spend a lot more time place. not working. And I am not going to be remiss in saying that Anderson Cooper is in deep love with you, Scott Gallagher. I can't believe it. Ando? Believe Me and Ando? I don't Go on. What did Ando. he say? No I'm sorry. What did he say? Ando. That is so, you are so not oh, gay. That guy's Listen dreamy. to me. So he Sanjay. is dreamy. I think Sanjay likes me too. Sanjay, Sanjay just Gupta. couldn't, didn't know what to do. He was staring. He looked like he'd seen a poltergeist when I was Seriously. talking. I was like, Sanjay, come on. The staring is the, stop staring. At, he, he was like, what the, f-? like, what is going on here? What? And he was probably trying to figure out what kind of drugs were happening to cause you to 
react like that. That's what I think he was thinking about. He's no, like, the question is what drugs aren't happening. We're talking ED. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing one of these controlled MDMA experiments to find yeah. out what's wrong with my life, which should be yeah. pretty easy. That yeah. should be pretty yeah. easy. That's yeah. not the hard part. So I don't need drugs remove for that. drugs from the, from, the, from the repertoire of your drug carousel kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I'm going on again. But back to Anderson Cooper. Yeah. Literally, I sat there. I almost was like, listen, Anderson Cooper, now you have made him a, I, I, there's going to be no dealing with him now that you said this is the most fascinating conversation. I'm like, what conversations was he, is he having that this is the most fascinating well, one? Well, look, just, I, like, it's, it's been pretty question. clear that I've, it, uh, that I've outgrown you. So <laughs> I am, I am to you, I am to you what my father was to my mother in the early seventies. And I've decided I've outgrown you. I don't even okay. know what that means, okay, but I've outgrown whatever. you. All right, let's break down the big story. The story is the Cuentas Grande. There's the Espanol rolling out. We're going to get on to the big story. Who didn't die is professional sports leagues. They're ready to make a comeback. And Disney might be the happiest place on earth for sports fans. Uh, White House called for sports as an essential part of the great American comeback after churches, I guess. Today it's Mm -hmm. sports. Now many leagues are preparing risk reduction strategies to get games going. This includes playing without fans, which is which is a weird thing, but there you have it. Leagues working on us include NASCAR, Major League Baseball, and the National Hockey League, which Boy, without fans, I'm, I'm not sure I want to watch that. Disney, despite having uh, notable challenges in the theme park business, has found itself a key role in this effort. The NBA is considering a relocation of the entire league to the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex in Disney's Orlando theme park. That's a fascinating idea. The complex is roughly 255 acres with multiple arenas. Really impressive. Major League Soccer is also considering moving there. Meanwhile, Disney is working to reopen Disney World theme park in Orlando as well. Uh, you know, it's that's uh, to me, this is really fascinating. Yeah. So no one knows how it's going to play out. But I, I got to say, of all the companies, I would trust Disney to do the right thing around safety and everything else. Um, and, you know, everybody wants sports to come back. And of course, it has to come back. What do you what do you make of all this? Because it's so important from a from a money point of view and uh, important. I do. I do think it's important from a from a mental point of view for our society, too. Uh, well, so a couple of things just on sports. I, I, I believe spectator sports are the new cancer. Show me someone who spends oh, right. two, three That's hours right. a night That's watching right. ESPN and then football all day Sunday. I'll show you a future of failed relationships and anger. I think people need to be playing sports a lot more than watching them. But that's mm. that's neither here nor there. So, look, if you think about the competence that has garnered hundreds of billions of trillions of dollars in value that largely reemerged in the last three decades, it was the ability to digitize something. Your Mm -hmm. ability to take storytelling, commerce, experiences, and try and digitize them or turn them into software has become the premier competence that has reshaped the global economy. And what's interesting here is that there might be a new competence emerging that reshovels dramatic shareholder value, and that is loosely what I would call vaccination. Right. And if you think about what Amazon's trying to do with yep. their supply we chain. Yeah, Amazon. Yep. Well, they're trying to vaccinate their supply chain. And, of course, their stocks just hit an all-time high, and I think it's at $2 trillion by the end of 2021. And Disney, which is the second smartest guys or gals in the room, has said, all right, how do we unlock assets to become the first vaccinated experience? And mm-hmm. that is... No one like that. I don't know if you remember. I, I did my, you know, pre-prom at Disney, and it was like if you lit up a joint or even thought about lighting up a joint, some nice white kid with zits came up to you before you knew you were in the Disney jail. Not that I would know about that. Not that I would know about that. <laughs> what does the but Disney they, jail look like, Scott? Disney is literally like. I mean, they. The, you know, the the. Oh. I don't know what I was about to say. Nazis, but I don't want to compare anyone to Nazis. So no, no. something like Nazis. The good part of Nazis, very organized. No. Oh, and no, very like, no, meticulous no, and very there's methodical. No, there's no good part. No good of part. Nazis. Let's try to. <laughs> the uniforms. No. Anyways, uh, can you so, just say they're organized like the police of Singapore or Anyways, something like that? Disneyland is run like a Panzer. Disney is run like a no, Panzer tank. Once again, division, Panzer right? would be and Nazis. No, no. There's so I'm, many other comparisons. I'm going to force you Tiger to do a tanks, better comparison. Deflective armor. Incredible. Messerschmitt, best plane of the World War II, although vastly underrated. Anyways, anyways, anyways. You have you have a company that has the ability to probably create, uh, continue to to deliver exceptional differentiated experiences in a mm-hmm. vaccinated, somewhat safe place. Even if a lot of it is just show and reputation, and then they potentially are saying, "All right, now we can bring it to this two hundred billion dollar a year franchise called sports. We have the facilities, we have the reputation, we have the human capital, we have the protocols, we have the systems, we have the capital." Mm-hmm. 
and we have the brand to kind of pull this all off. So I think this is really visionary. Yeah, and I think it's a great idea. The biggest unlock, um, I love the term unlock, and that is taking, it's not even innovation, it's taking existing assets and looking at them in a different way. Yeah. And when you think about what Walmart did with Click and Collect Grocery, let's stop taxing people with this shitty in-store experience and just give them the great experience of our groceries, which are fantastic. This is, I actually think in sports, NASCAR, take away the fans, that's an unlock. I don't think NASCAR fans are adding anything to the TV experience, right? Other mm, than making you think, wow. Not the TV experience. No, but they do make money from, you know, the, the fees that go into it and stuff it's like all, that. I think, I think most sports have become mostly about TV. Like you go to a Miami Heat game, okay, that right. shit's for Fair real. There are some really hot people walking around. That adds to the experience. Okay. Hockey, not so all much. Right. But they turn down the lights in most, you know, in most in a lot of sports. I mean, this is what could happen, and it's really interesting. I've all of a sudden become my show on Vice airs after something called the Dark Side of the Ring, and it's all about professional wrestling. So, of course, I'm learning about mm-hmm. professional wrestling. By the way, amazing right. athletes, amazing athletes. But in okay. in the ring, it's staged, it's a show, and then the audience sure. reaction is real. And I wonder if right. professional sports are headed the opposite way, where you're going to have what's going on in the court is for real, but this, the audience becomes a stage presentation, and that is using holograms, cardboard cutouts, turning the lights down, special oh. effects, you know, like the, the Norman Lear comedies of the 80s where they yeah, had a no, laugh track. No. Yeah. I bet, I bet they're going to be able to have the NBA finals and largely, largely electronically and through special effects Put mimic people into the crowd. Seats. Yeah, they probably could. I do think people like going to events. I have lots yeah. of friends who like the whole the whole going to of sports, like a baseball game, an empty baseball stadium. Sure, they can play, but there is something exciting about being there, yeah. and I think it is exciting for the athletes too. But you're right. I mean, it, all that matters is the is the is the money they make from TV more than anything, not from gate. They make money from the hot dogs and the gate and stuff like that as part of their business. But most of it is TV rights, uh, which I think is important. I think getting them started like this is a great way until we get to a vaccine where people can actually physically show up. Um, I think they're running into a lot of problems if they do bring in too many people to Disney World. I mean, they're definitely opening themselves up to it. But I do have to say, in terms of park management, I interviewed uh, several different Disney executives over the years about the technology of park management, and they had used these things that you put on your wrist. We, we introduced them at one of our, co- yeah, our All Things those. D conferences and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're incredible at management, crowd management. Great and, at what they do. Great moving, operators. And move people. And yeah. if you've ever been on a Disney cruise, literally it's run, not like Nazis, but it's run with great efficiency. Like the Hindenburg. Great, no. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The QE2. Right, we're staying away from Hitler the rest uh, of the show and probably forever. Okay, I'm going to make a decree right now. My favorite movie star. In any case, they run things around beautifully. They run things yeah, around beautifully. Well. And it's also done with, with a lot of courteousness and and care mm-hmm. and also, which is which is interesting. And, you know, of course, they made fun of it in Jeffrey Katzenberg's movies in the um, – uh, what's his name, that green troll guy. Anyway, they made fun of it in movies as being sort of the unhappiest place on earth, but it really is uh, It really is something to Shrek? see, and especially behind the Shrek, that's right, sorry. I Shrek's watched hilarious. it with my kids. Michael Meyer. I know. But they make fun of the guy who's playing Mike, uh, Mike, um, Michael Eisner, uh, that Prince guy. That's a version of him. In any case, it's. I think it's. It, I think it's a big move by Disney. It's smart, smart to take these really. assets. It's very smart. Genius, actually. And, I mean, it really is creative. And I, I. We don't need the White House to tell us we need to get back to sports. Nobody doesn't want to get back to sports. But you. You interviewed Paul Rabel, the co-founder of the Premier League, who is a friend of Louis Swisher's. Yeah. Um, for your other podcast, uh, what what did he say? He's amazing. What a what a what a really impressive man he is. Yeah, Paul is. Uh, first off, Paul is probably the greatest living athlete to be playing a sport right now. He dominates lacrosse yeah. like there's no tomorrow, and he's yeah. also this very like soulful, Sweet. sensitive, nice man. And it, he, he kind of stereotypes he, are so dangerous. You meet some guy who looks like an Adonis and he's the top athlete. You're going to think he's going to be a jarhead, and then he starts talking about. He calls you and says. I want to thank you for helping me get in touch with this specific emotion. And you're like, where are <laughs> the cameras? Just, yeah. Anyways, he's yeah. a total sweetheart. But the what they did, the big unlock there, I thought it was genius, was they said, okay, rather than have regionally based teams, let's have it be like a festival, Coachella, where your son, yeah. who's into lacrosse, can go see six matches, go to a clinic. Yep. It just seemed to be economically smarter. He's and then, very smart. And the audience, I'm, not, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that fan reaction isn't a hit, huge part of lacrosse. Uh, so that he's reopening or trying to reopen safely, but you know, it's, it's tough for him, right? Wrong time. It, yeah. This will be a very interesting. The, the, 
the pandemic is going to be an unforeseen wind in a lot of sales that we didn't we didn't see. It it's going to reshape. It could initially reshape sports, but so much of this. I mean, I'm going on Anderson Cooper again on Thursday night. Anyways, no, but really? we're going to talk about education and everyone. I'm so excited for for like he has a baby. You guys. Could, well, he yeah. might have a second. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Yes, you would be the just baby. saying. That would be. Anyways, so there's wow. there's. Everyone is saying about universities, everyone wants to know the same thing. Are they going to really reopen? And there's so much X factor around therapies and when we get this vaccine or if we ever get a vaccine that nobody knows. But I love that firms like Disney and Paul Rabel are saying- Thinking about it. Thinking about it. I'm going to try. I'm going to get based on the information I have right now. Well, it's new fresh things. Although looking at some of the pictures this weekend, people are not doing new fresh things. They're doing the old dangerous things like- um, you know, in at beaches and things like that. And so I think taking a fresh look at mm-hmm. things and how to do it in a new way is a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think just running amok is really a problem. Right? We're going to get I, most of the Cats doctors. Cats living with dog. Most of the doctors I, I talked to are like, oh, God, just getting ready for I the agree. fall, you know, set of it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about more openings uh, about the New York Stock Exchange plan to get back open and a friend of Pivot on Facebook's work from home plans. We'll be back after this. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back. The New York Stock Exchange is opening back up floor trading this week. A quarter of traders will be coming back with all sorts of new guidelines and protections. Floor traders aren't employees of the New York Stock Exchange, but of different Wall Street firms and banks that will have to sign this liability waivers that acknowledge that returning to work could result in, quote, contracting COVID-19, respiratory failure, death, and transmitting COVID-19 to family or household members and others who may suffer from those effects. Um, I don't know. I've been to the New York Stock Exchange. I think mm-hmm. it's largely useless. It's kind of a backdrop for CNBC is why I'm That's always exactly there. And it's right. also a you very tight, thunder. weird place. It's yeah. such a tight, weird place. I would not yeah. go in there. I'm not going back there ever, I don't think. What do you, what do you think about this? No, you're, you're exactly right. I was going to say, it's no longer a, a trading exchange. It's the live studio audience for CNBC. It's very majestic. It's interesting. The guys in the blue suits, I, don't, I really don't know how it serves any practical purpose when you have the NASDAQ. Yeah. And people say there's certain nuanced IPOs. There's f- half as many publicly traded stocks as there were 20 or 30 years ago. It feels like an anachronism. It feels like this will probably speed the future. And that thing is going to become, like you said, a backdrop 
the media companies, but even the media companies aren't returning. So, you know, Jim yeah. Cramer's like, well, that's really nice. But Carl Quinn is like, there's no fucking way I'm going back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. They use it a lot when you're there for tourists. You know, they'll come in and they take a picture near the that's bell. Um, they have this little set. Like, it, it, it's speaking of Disney parks, it's yeah, like that. Right. Like, it's you tourism. go there and you pretend you pretend you ring the bell, but you, it's not even where the bell is. And so uh, it's it's I, that has got to be done. And it's also, it's right down there, um, you know, right down there on Wall Street. And there's so much uh, security oh, now, crazy. obviously. Um, it's really a, a deeply uh, difficult experience for people. So I'm not sure why, except for perceptible things were open in the exchange, I guess. I don't know. It's it's a largely a show that I can tell at this point. But but let's talk about the real thing is companies IPOing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talked to Brian Chesky, he actually talked about definitely he was thinking about next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he even mentioned 2020. What do you how do you see, you know, the the idea of IPOing where that's gonna go? I think uh this is gonna I think this next class of companies that comes out is going to be one of the best performing IPO classes of the last decade. And because right, who are they? Oh gosh, um, I'll give you one. Lemonade, uh, the insurance disruptor, okay. uh, yep. Airbnb will yep. be enormous. I think there are companies that are going to come out of this so strong that the that if you will, the downturn, the deceleration gave them the opportunity. I don't want to call it shed dead wood, but basically get in fighting mm-hmm. shape, cut costs like crazy, come back. Yeah. Their profits will be stronger. They a lot of these companies have laid off twenty, thirty percent of their staff. Their revenues are going to return. They'll hire back 5% of those people, and their profitability is going to skyrocket, and they're going to come into this either through a direct listing or if they want it to be a branding event, they'll pay Goldman and J.P. Morgan 7% not to market their securities to their own crony, corrupt um, institutional investors who they price the stock too low, thereby diluting the pre-existing shareholders such that they can feed their old white guy network with bullshit discounts on stocks. But basically, you're paying them 7% of proceeds. (laughs) was one paragraph you, that was without punctuation but this is what it is it's it's a corrupt thing but you're paying them seven yeah. percent of proceeds for a branding event because because goldman and jp morgan yes. are great brands themselves and it's like this movie's brought to you by disney so it says okay this is probably a if if goldman's bringing you public it means that you know other than we work of course uh, it means that it means this company is probably you know pretty blue chip so you're going to see i think you're going to see the companies that return, they're going to look like growth companies, but they're going to be growing 30% off of numbers mm-hmm. are lapping, not 11. So oh, yeah. I, I think right. these companies are really excited. I think you're going to see some monster IPS. There's so much money on the sidelines uh, waiting you know, to get put back Brian, to work. Brian talked about a direct listing. I think he was saying that. Mm-hmm. I think he, he said, you know, it was interesting, the story he told. He was preparing the S1. He was reading it when he, you know, started to hear about the problems in China that they were starting to have. And so he was ready to drop the S1 on Ma- March 31st, I think, something something like that. And then, of course, pulled it back. And now he's got to change all the numbers. But it was, you know, he was saying a direct listing was the way they were going. And uh, it would be interesting of when they can, when companies like that can put their foot into the market. Um, I think that's the intent. And, and you're right, they do have to cut. They've cut a lot of things. I know Brian said he had 101 projects or something like that, and he cut 70 or 80 of them, um, even though some of them were quite interesting, like their transportation one around planes and some others. Um, he either put them on hold or he got rid of them altogether and had to let go of staff. Um, and so it, it, you're right. They, it's, he's, he, he was saying how it, it sort of gave him the clearest vision of what the company is, despite having to do this and being on a roll that because they were cash flow positive, they were doing really well, but it gave him a vision of exactly what the point of the company was, which was, you know, and what to stick with and what not to stick with. Although at the same time, he was disappointed on some of the stuff. I think he really was looking forward to innovating in like, like plane travel. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be, it's just, I, I spoke to Aswat the motor and, and the basic general kind of the general party line among all analysts is that, there's a disconnect between the markets and the economy. And Aswat the Motor and said, I'll take the market's view any day over, quote unquote, the experts. And what the market seems yeah. to be saying is that there's a concentration or there's a bifurcation where there's more capital flowing into the winners. And there's some big winners through the kind of the culling of the herd here. The elephants that survive when the rains come back have more foliage and just just boom and are able to use this as cloud cover to cut costs, get leaner, get more profitable when the revenues return. And... It's um, and the Nasdaq, if you will, is so weighted towards the winners. I mean, 
right now it's becoming not the S&P 500, but it's becoming the S&P 5, where there's five companies that are worth more mm-hmm. than the bottom 400. So the markets are basically saying, all right, we're the winner circle. And, the, the, and it's not a good thing. It's any sector, we take the best two or three companies and we've just made them stronger. So the few companies that are public or manage to stay public, you're talking really about the cream of the crop that are consolidating everything else. Mm-hmm. So you, And that's what the market reflects in this notion. And you always said this. The markets don't reflect the economy. They don't really reflect America. Mm-hmm. And it's so yeah. there a couple of things. The good news is the markets, I think, are there's a decent chance, at least what the, uh, what the market is telling us, are going to be fine, maybe even go up from here. The bad news is that doesn't reflect what's going on on Main Street. Right, which is the the ability to cut these jobs and whether they're going to get them back, and you know the the lack of the inability to innovate with new fresh ideas. We'll have to wait and see if capital really pours into the market in order to do that. But right now, it is about consolidation more than anything. You know, I think what, that'll hurt uh, hurt the uh, the markets presumably. Uh, you know, you know what is absolutely going to be the biggest boost to profitability amongst big tech over the next five years. This work from what? home movement. It'll be used yes. as an excuse to start cutting people's salaries. How interesting, because that's what we're going to be talking about in a minute with someone. There's from a segue Facebook from the dog. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. I should okay, be on stop. TV with Anderson Cooper. Oh, God. With Anderson oh, Cooper. I can't believe he's having you on again. Oh, my God. This that is, guy I've loves got to me. speak to him. That I've got guy Anderson loves Cooper, me. if you're listening he here, because I know you are now that you love Scott Galloway, give me a call and we need to discuss yeah, no, it. What are you talking about? Stay away about from on him. Thursday? Stay away from him. I'm with no, the cool kids oh, no. now. Okay, Scott, enough of your troublemaking. Let's hear from a friend of Pivot about Facebook becoming a work-from-home company. Karen Marooney is a venture capitalist now, but she formerly was VP of Global Communications at Facebook. Welcome to Pivot, Karen, finally. Finally. Thank you, Welcome, Karen. So we have a lot to talk about. I know you're a PR person. You're going to have to drop your care as a PR person and and, and wariness and talk to us about everything. Um, but let's first talk about uh, Facebook's last week announced to employees that they could work from home permanently. Can you help us understand the strategy here? Abs- yeah. I looked at this and I said, oh, man, this could be as big as their shift to mobile, the way that they're thinking about this. I mean, it had the classic elements of, it was very much an everybody in Menlo Park. It had a center of the universe and they are completely changing that. And if you think about the gravity of that and the ripple effect that we're going to see across the industry, I don't think we, we really have a sense of like how big this can be. So when I looked at this and I have no inside information, I looked at this like everybody else reading the press. I thought, oh man, Mark's moved from an optimist to a pragmatist. He clearly said, look, you know, we're not going back to work until, you know, we know, he said everybody can work from home through the rest of 2020. And then you look at all these other people that you need to hire. And when he did the math and asked the employees about where they want to work and how they want to work, he's already gotten himself to 50%. So he's like, I've already gotten to 50% of the workforce in five years if I do nothing, basically. So when I looked at this, I thought, God, okay, from an optimist to a pragmatist, but a really big deal. It's a classic, you paint a big vision, right? Five to 10 years, half of our workforce can work remotely. And then you say, we're going to iterate and take steps, very, very Facebook. And then we're going to lay out all the details. And the details of this announcement, I think, are what really were the interesting part, that they have done all the work so every other company can follow along and say, like, oh, okay, this might be the step for how we have a remote workforce. We He laid out the blueprint for here's how you can take your employee base and start having them move towards more of a remote workforce. But it's a big, big change. So let, let me, yeah, it is. Let me tell you, because he spent a lot of time talking over the last couple of years about that headquarters with the garden yep. on the roof, with the with people who were yep. going to live there and live and work. There were going to be apartments. You know, he had all these big architects yep. come in to do things. He put restaurants in there. What, how, what, how do you, and you were PR, put, doing PR for all that, the idea that yep. you're creating these beautiful workplaces in this a section of, of, of Silicon Valley that had been, you know, had not been used in that way. And you created this big giant Facebook campus. 
Yeah, no, it's a total, think about how stunning, Carrie, you've been there. Uh, the campus is stunning. It has restaurants, it has laundry, it has a garden. You really feel like you're away. And if you think it's not the only place to have done that, Salesforce has the Salesforce Tower, Apple has the spaceship. I mean, they're very much a sign of like these companies that they have a big headquarters that people feel attached to and sort of is a signature. I mean, they all say something different about the company. Facebook was this giant open floor plan. Uh, Casey Newton pointed out correctly that uh, early on you could pay employees $15,000 just to move closer to headquarters because the thing that really bothered people about work was the commute. So the answer to people hating the commute was move them closer. I mean, think about that. Think about that hack in terms of instead of remote work, we're just going to move everybody closer. But think about this now. This isn't move people closer. This is let people work from anywhere, which is a, a really strong about face from where we were just even a year ago. So Karen, I have a question. What would you say to the, to the notion that this is nothing but an attempt to further reduce compensation of employees? Because if you can move their job to Denver, you can move it to Bangalore, India, and we're going to end up in a situation where Facebook is now spreading the value of Airbus across fewer and fewer people. I couldn't disagree more. If I think Go about, on. I just, I totally disagree <laughs> with you. I think you're wrong. Right. I think right. you're wrong, 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 wrong. Your turn. The mic okay. is yours. Why? Okay. <laughs> Why? Well, if you think about these tech companies, so many of the problems have been that they are in these specific hubs. They do not have enough of a diverse workforce, which mm -hmm. has been a complaint for a really long time for a really good reason. And you have incredibly smart people trying to solve the problem of diversity. And one of the other side effects here is that you're creating this inequality of wealth in different places. Mm -hmm. So if you can have people who can have these jobs work from anywhere and have people from all different backgrounds be able to apply for these jobs no matter where they are, it's going to open up an entirely new way and a new type of person who's able to get these incredibly good jobs. He got a lot of flack for that, although you do that, you had done that before. If you lived Absolutely. in Denver, you got paid less than yeah. if you were in Silicon Valley. So what, why, tell me about, what, what if you were there dealing with the flack that he got for that, because he really did, you know, he got an enormous yeah. amount of flack for, for saying we're going to pay you less depending on where you are. Well, I'd like to imagine the flip side. Imagine if they didn't pay you less. And then anybody who worked at any of these companies could go live someplace and it would be incredibly difficult for the rest of the surroundings to have somebody who was making all this money. So why I look at both of these. Do you think the guy who controls the company through two classes of share has shares your imagination around that? Or do you think he'll cut costs? We have done this. Well, Facebook, sorry, still have it. Facebook has change the salaries of people who re relocate for right. as long as I can remember. And the right. thought was that it is in line with how much it, how much it costs to live in a specific area. And yeah. I mean, the way I think about it is the, what did George Will used to say? Um, the four letter word that begins with F that you're not allowed to say in work or at home or to your kids is fair. Like you can say the other four letter word as long as you want, but you can't say the word fair. I think in either, if they had done either version of this, people would have cried no fair. Yep. Yeah, so I think I look so, at this and I, I personally agree with the way it fell, but I think on either side, they would have gotten blasted. Mm -hmm. All right. Speaking of that, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what happens then to Silicon Valley? Like they built this beautiful. What happens to that campus then? I mean, can I just now walk around up there and get smoothies by myself now? Can it become a park? <laughs> Could it be? That's Could an I, image. I, I like that. Just Kara uh, walking Wandering around. around. Uh, it was <laughs> the roof one of, of Facebook. Those. Well, uh, <laughs> can I tell the story of when you brought your son sure. to Facebook yes, Classic sure. Campus? Um, no, please don't. Please oh, don't. Just, well, he, he walked right up to Kevin Systrom and said, you should friend me. Do you he remember did. that? And Kevin yes, was I like, do. Uh, he was terrified. He looked terrified. <laughs> in any case, in any case. Um, but what happens to these? What happens to these beautiful, like Google had its campus, you yep. know, you've got Salesforce, right. you've got Apple. They spent a lot of time building yeah. these. And so do people have to go now or do they can say no more of this? I think they're, from what I read, the stats also showed that a number of people are like, get me back there as soon as possible. I mean, I think some people will be really disappointed that they can't go back. 
And yeah, especially young people, right? It's where you meet exactly. your friends. It's social. It's, yep. it's, well, it's really interesting. If, if you don't have school and you don't have work, where do you like, where do you meet your spouse? And I'm not saying that's the only place to meet, but that, those are the two places people create relationships is at work and at school. It's, and right now, everybody's, both are in question right now about whether you have a physical yeah. presence. I think what I read was Mark went out of his way to say, you know, he, he in a very classic style, he'd done a lot of research. He'd talked to a lot of experts. He'd talked to a lot of people. Then he sets out a grand vision and then you iterate. So I expect they'll iterate and learn. He called out specifically new grads because a lot of companies that are working remotely today say specifically, we won't hire people who don't have X years of experience. And in what I read, Mark said, we will hire, we have thousands of interns who come and eat all the food and they will still bring them in at least for a certain amount of time. So it sounded like the remote workforce initially would be people who are the new hires and people who fit a certain set of criteria, which included experience of years that you've already worked there. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more general question before we finish. Um, so one of the things we've talked about is the idea of redemption that, that companies like Facebook and others are, are having during this. What do, you, what do you read on the PR strategy big tech will employ as the recovery continues? What would you be doing right now? Look, we're good. We weren't as bad as you thought. What would you do? Because you went through the years of Facebook is, is ruining society. Yeah, I got to go through the up and the down. So it was, it, I got mm-hmm. to have both. I think, you know, I was listening as I do. I listened to your show and I loved how you guys were making fun of all the ads that had the little piano, tinkle, 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 tinkle. We're mm-hmm. in it together, mm-hmm. all hug, no matter who it was, there's something there. Um, and it's true. It's not just tech. I think it's every company is maybe doing an overboard in terms of we're in this together. Um, when I take a step back and I think about how we entered 2020, you know, which is just even January, just think about TechLash felt really real. There was this big consensus that CEOs and founders were, you know, not to be trusted overall, you know, not just in this. And there was a fear of big data. And I think that seeing these companies come together, whether it was Google and Apple working on this or Facebook putting out data, it feels to me like a little bit of a shift um, because, again, just I used to harken back to uh, Silicon Valley. Remember that line that was like, I don't want to live in a world where someone else is making the world a better place better than we are. Remember that? It used to feel a little to me like that. And now I think the need is so great that people are, and these companies are doing a better job of letting go of that and focusing more on the problem and the solution. So So I think- Should they get a pass? Should they be able to be redeemed? Because there still is the election coming up. There's still all kinds of things. Should we say, oh, now they're good when they're now more powerful than ever, Karen? Like Facebook's at an all-time high. Well, I don't expect you or Scott to give anyone a pass ever. So I think that I feel confident in the no pass zone from loads of people. Um, I think that there will be like everything stops and starts in goods and bads. And I don't think it is all bad or all good. And we're going to have to keep the balance. You just said nothing. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's see, my old. That's why she's thank you. paid the Head big PR bucks. Face. Used to, used to be, used to be, used to be, used to be. Karen, talk what? about your new firm. What are yeah, some of the firms you that you're financing? What are, what's the focus of your VC firm? So I'm a brand new general partner at a firm called Kotu. They've been investing in tech tech investments for over 25 years, and um, mostly on the public side. And then more recently on the growth side and the newest is on the venture side. So they've invested in companies like Snap and DoorDash and others. Mm-hmm. And um, I have yet to announce or to lead my first investment, but hopefully soon. I think this work from home thing might be big. Good. Congrats on that. All right, Karen. 
thank you so much. Sorry oh, to give you a hard time, sorry, but not, not really. Sorry. sorry, not sorry. And we really appreciate your insights. I hadn't thought of it that way, actually, which is why you did get paid the big bucks at Facebook. Anyway, have a great day. Thank you so thank much you for having me. Pivot. Thanks, you guys. I, I, that was me on my best behavior, just uh, so you, you know. You didn't have to be. Anyway, all right, Scott, we're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed to the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, we're back for wins and fails. Scott, uh, there's so many going on today. I'm going to give just mm-hmm. one, which is Jacinda Ardern, who I still continue to have a mad crush on, like the way you have a crush on uh, Anderson Cooper. Um, I, she was in the middle of an earthquake when she was doing a press conference or something, and she literally was like, oh, we're having a little shake. We're just having a bit of an earthquake here, Ryan. Quite a decent shake here. Gangster, She right? was Not gangster, big. and she's still handling this crisis using data, using you know smart science and stuff like that. Uh, in New Zealand. It's not as difficult to lift. There's only 5 million people there as opposed to anywhere else. But I think she's sort of a great version of a leader that we can all look up to. Thank you. That's my win. Go for it. That's a nice one. Uh, my win is Governor Burgum. Of, I think I'm saying that right. Governor Doug Burgum of North Dakota, Republican governor. Yeah. I thought his um, press conference talking about the importance of masks and saying that this isn't a political issue, that if somebody is wearing a mask. Maybe they're just trying to protect uh, an immunocompromised child. I, and he got he got emotional. I thought it was such a real mm-hmm. moment, and it made me think. Yeah. I'm so glad people like this run for office, and yeah. it just made me feel, um, you know, good about North Dakota, good about America. That there are people who, at the end of the day, are are, are really trying. You know, their emotions are in the right place. And yep. I thought this Agreed. guy. He made everybody in the world kind of push the pause button on their bullshit ideologies and say, okay, here's a, here's a leader who's worried about people and is saying to people, masks just shouldn't be politicized. Yeah. And also, but he said uh, it in a way a that was, I think, incredibly moment. kind, even to the people who were doing it. And he was like, this isn't the North yeah. Dakota empathy, whatever. It just is so weird yeah. that people would object to a mask. I mean, really, if someone wants to wear a mask, let them wear their mask. Like, I don't know what to say. Like and and not wearing it yeah. is a sign that you don't think more carefully about the people you might infect. And so, you know, they're going to argue the science of it and everything else, and say it's you know don't tread on me. I don't have to wear it if I don't want to. But it's just a as he characterizes, very selfish uh, attitude. And it's not. It's this is not, this is going to be a phase that is going to end. And to make it better, it would be nice if you did that. And so I like that. I like that. And I also I've always also liked. I've been introduced to a lot of GOP leaders who I think are great, like uh, Mike DeWine. I mean, I'm not going to agree with him on a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. But I've mm-hmm. looked a lot of his other policies. But I got to say, I think he's conducted himself with with uh, with uh, with he's leadership great. through a crisis. So it's nice to to be able to. Uh, see that the the party is not just Trump. Like this party is not just Trump, and I'm mm-hmm. hoping those those voices will prevail over time. All right, your fail. 
Uh, I thought Joe Biden's interview on CNBC, I, I, I just think um, he needs to appoint in the cabinet really fast and a vice president and start Tell diversifying the Tell portfolio. I just thought he came across as um, a 76-year-old man. I, you know, I know that's an ageist, terrible thing to say. He just, I, I'm worried, Kara. Mm -hmm. I, I just think, I think Joe has lost a step and I think we're in a state of denial and uh, some of these interviews, uh, it, it feels to me that this is, he, he is a decent man. He has strong character. He surrounds himself with good people, which is check, check, check. These are three ginormously empty boxes on the other side of the aisle right now. But he needs to start, he needs to surround himself with competent people such that he can say, okay, maybe my knees aren't what they are, but I've got a great line, I've got a great running back, mm -hmm. I've got a great wide receiver, and this is a team sport. He needs to put the team on the field fast because it is, it just, these interviews are painful. I might point out Scott Galloway, yep. Mr. Yep. Supporter first of Beto, who I said was going to flame, and then <laughs> Bloomberg, who I said was going to flame. You you had yeah, this thing right. around Biden. He wasn't going to win, he wasn't going to win. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're so right. So I'm just you saying, I just am like, I do not discount the decency of this man, which is clear. He made a couple of errors. They were stupid. This thing he said about uh African Americans it's was not stupid. That. It's, um, I don't. You know what the thing? The no, I think you aren't black. Who vaccine. gives a shit? I mean, compared to what Trump says, Trump is stand. That's yes. nothing. Yes, that's a speeding ticket in, that in a house no with double murder. No one's making comparison between them. By the way, nobody. What compares I'm talking them. about, Trump's and no one wants speech. to talk about this. No right, one wants right. to talk about this. Is Joe right. has lost a step, and that shit doesn't get better as time goes on. And he needs to surround himself. I am pointing out that you were spectacularly wrong about all your political choices so far. That's just yeah. So far, point that so out. far. <laughs> All right. Someday so you're going to be right about this. All right. My fail. I think um, you know. I worry about a lot of. I still worry about jobs. The Hertz rent a car bankruptcy was uh, was you know they. Of you're worried about loaded. Hertz going no, out of no, business? No, 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 no. I mean, they were loaded <laughs> up with yeah, debt. Right. They were loaded up with debt. There was there was no way to go. And look, Enterprise had been running circles around companies yeah. like Hertz for yeah. a while. But I do worry about people's jobs. I still am like. You know, what are how are people going to recover their jobs? When you talk about the culling, you talk about it as a concept, yeah. but in reality, it's it affects people's lives in a way that is going to be Agreed. profound. And I think it's really hard to to see where that's going to go and where the pain is going to be. And I think we're going to not see it in the way that we should, um, or not focus on it in the way that we should. As you said, I think I, I get inspired by you in that regard. It's people, not companies. Um, and so I think about the people of working at these places and what, where do they, what do you, what's the choice you have? Um, you can't just like move on to another job. I think we have a, different people have an ability to find jobs quicker. And I think it's going to be really tough for a lot of people like that. I keep thinking every time I read one of these, I go, oh dear, it may be good for the, for the corporations. It may be good for wall street. It may be good That's for right. a lot of things, but it, it sure ain't good for people. And then well, I, if you make more than a hundred thousand dollars, 10% have been, of you have been laid off. If you yeah. make less than 40,000, 40% have been laid yeah. off. I mean, this is, I mean, so I, I uh, consult to, or I used to consult mm -hmm. to a lot of big multinationals mm -hmm. and one of the uh, heads of one of these companies, European, and I know I'm sounding very cryptic right now, but I don't want to speak out of school. And they're predicting, they've talked to a bunch of experts and they're predicting social unrest in the yes. US. Yeah. And I thought, geez, do you really think there's going to be social 100%. unrest? It's like, oh yeah, we think that people, we have, we're kicking, you guys are kicking the can down the road in time for the, for, so both parties can pose for the cameras for November elections. But if you look at unemployment, if you look at how vulnerable your population is, yep. um, you are, you are headed towards social unrest. And I thought, wow, that Agreed. is really, and these are not reactionary. No, you know, I, I, I have, I, when are, I say this and I give sometimes speeches and I say, and I said something that I had heard from someone, I don't remember it was, is you're either going to, you're either going to deal with this issue around now jobs, but at the time it was income inequality, or you're going to armor plate your Tesla. So which do you want? Right. And so I think that to me, I just have this nagging feeling of real problems coming up in terms of that. And whoever inherits the White gets the inherits the White House, wins the White House, it's going to be one tough job. It's going to be one tough job. And I, I worry. <laughs> I worry about anybody having to deal with it, but especially when we're a highly partisan, we're arguing about freaking masks. It's insane. Let's have the let's have the let's have the governor. Let's go happy. We're, let's go we're happy. About, tell me something start. happy. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna do something happy. You go first. Happy. I'm, what's happy? What's happy? Oh my 
my children are still wonderful. I do not want to drive them in a minivan in the pool. That's one cute do. baby. <laughs> That's one cute that baby. That is one cute baby. As a cute, oh my goodness. That baby's a cutie. I just, that that is a my cute sons are really, baby. really, they've proven to, you know, they're really handling this really well. I, I, that, you know, there's moments of boredom, mo- moments of like, God, oh, this sucks. And, and they've handled it very maturely. I'm very, very happy to, to have such nice children. Okay. Yours. That is nice. That is nice. Yours. So mine is, um, I've been, I talked about it last week. I was really moved by uh, uh, Marianne Castro, Senator Glenn's uh, wife passing away at the age of 100 from complication of COVID-19, you know, suffered with a real stutter. And I, I went back to her obituary for the second time. And I love what John Glenn said he, when he was asked about what it was like to be with a or have a wife with a severe stutter during a presidential race and he just said you know i just always i just always loved her who for who she was i just loved her and that was that yeah, and I, I, I remember thinking to myself wouldn't it be nice to have those instincts and when when you know someone is deeply insecure about something that you you express to them i just know who you are and i love you and that's that i thought that was such this is the guy who orbited the earth mm-hmm. for the first time uh, that's just such like a healthy instinct. Yeah, that to, relationship was always inspirational. Really to me. nice. Was real, and she really was quite nice. something. She was, you know, I always yeah. whenever she was, they t- wrote about her. I always would read about her. I found her very. I, I I thought he was always inspirational, but the two of them, I really was really really nice really couple. Nice couple, and it was nice. The right stuff. A great movie. A good movie to feel good about America. All right, why don't you watch that and The West Wing, and then you will feel better, Scott. There you go, President Martin Sheen. We'll make the fourth is civil unrest. <laughs> <laughs> and go get a Glock. Go get okay. a, no, no okay. Glocks. No, no Glocks. Glocks. No Panzer divisions. There'll be none of that, uh, Scott Galloway. Okay. All right. Unless no I invade things. your beautiful Florida home, which I saw on a Zoom call, which made well, me Actually, wonder. tonight, my, I'm, I pretend I'm Germany. My wife dresses right, up as right. Poland, no, and I no, invade no, her. No, I invade no, her. No, no, That's good World no, War II sex no, humor. No, no, You know, last week was George Conway. There is no We will no build an impenetrable Maginot line. All right. And on that, <laughs> we're going to go. Uh, we are going. We are stopping this traffic accident right now. Anyway, right, don't forget crash. if you have a story in the news not about Nazis and you're curious about it and want to hear our opinion on, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Scott, read us out and try hard not to offend someone. Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. Our sound engineer is Fernando Finite. And special thanks to Drew Burrows and Rebecca Castro. If you like what you heard, please download or subscribe. Find somebody who you think might be insecure about something and tell them that it's all about who they are and you just love them and that's that. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here... Chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.